Today's guest is actress Marisol Nichols. You might have heard of her from her amazing role as Hermione Lodge on the CW drama series Riverdale. Not only is Marisol an incredible actress, but she is also an activist fighting for change daily to ensure that women and children are no longer part of slavery in the United States and abroad. We talk about how she launched her career as an actress and how an experience that changed her forever at the age 11 inspired her to launch her nonprofit organization called Foundation for a Slavery-Free World. Take a listen. Arisol, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to talk to you. Not only are you a dear friend, but I am in awe of what you have created and built. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. My pleasure. I'm so happy we're finally doing this. <laughs> Yay! My fault. I had a baby and life got pretty. I mean, uh, and you were a gorgeous pregnant woman. Just <laughs> Thank you. So... I would love to start with your love of acting. Was it something that you found as a passion when you were younger or was it later on that you decided, you know, this is what you wanted to do? It was definitely later, although I wasn't that girl that was in like, you know, theater camp or (laughs) I was trying out for for like, you know, junior high plays or anything like that. Um, I didn't find it until I was out of high school and like at a junior college in the suburbs of Chicago with like no direction and no clue what I was going to do. And on like the three-year plan at a two-year college (laughs) and I fell into it. I tried out for a play and the guy director took a chance on me and kind of took me under his wing and was like, no, I want you to do this. And I was like, no, 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 I can't do this. I was planning on just being an extra like, what are you talking about? And he was, I still talked to him. I was actually just in Chicago and I had, had um, dinner with them. It was so nice to see them again because they just took me under their wing and kind of changed the entire course of my life and believed in me and were like, you can do this. And I, I absolutely fell in love with it. It is something that I, as a little kid, like five years old, I remember being in a little acting camp or something and being on stage and being in my room and imitating, you know, singing to the mirror and all all of these things. But then it all went away and I, you know, we'll get to my life in a bit, but I concentrated on way other things and it just fell by the wayside and I never even remembered it until I got way, way older. So you've had what I feel like most actresses dream about is an incredibly long career. You've been on everything from Teen Wolf to incredible shows. You know, you play, I'm going to butcher the name because I always butcher the name, but Hermione. It's like, it's like Harry Potter. I'm like Hermione. I know. I've had people call her Hormone <laughs> and like, it's fine. It's Hermione. <laughs> Whether it was Hermione Lodge, who's the mother of Veronica Lodge, like that show, I feel like put you in like catapulted you into another stratosphere of success. Mm -hmm. But I'd love for you to talk about, you know, you get started and then you get your first thing and you're like, Oh, cool. And then, you know, there's dry spells and (laughs) my entire career is like an up. Like if you were to graph it, it'd be like, Oh my God, everything's great. Oh my God. No, never mind. Oh my God. Everything's great. Oh my God. No. And that is, you know, I was sort of catapulted into the business again, like on a, what I thought was a fluke, I tried out for a TV show like in Chicago. And at that time, like you have to understand, like there's no internet, there's no nothing. The only people acting are the people you're either in LA or you're not doing it or in New York and you're only doing plays. And that's it. That's just the way it was. 
And so I was in Chicago and a scout came through and literally was like, hey, why don't you audition for this TV show that we're trying to cast? And a couple months later, they called me and they're like, hey, we really like your audition and we'd like to fly you out to LA. And I was like, oh my God. And oh my God, you know, that kind of thing. And I did end up getting that series. And it was one of those, oh my God, I made it. And I moved to LA with a job. And then six episodes later, we were canceled. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. And then like a little while later, I ended up getting Vegas vacation, which was unheard of to me. If, If your audience knows like the vacation films, you know, it was like Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo and that whole crew. And they were doing another vacation movie and they always change the kids every movie. And I ended up getting, after auditioning for four months, Audrey Griswold. And again, I was like, oh my God, I've made it. And oh my God. And then, and it was great. And then that movie came and went you know, and then I spent the next two, three, four years just auditioning and doing like, you know, little guest stars here and there and whatever else for another, I don't know how many years. And then 24, you know, it's just like, oh my God, and 24 is huge and it's amazing, you know, and, and that was phenomenal. And then you do that and then you, it slowly goes back down and you do other lesser known series and then another four or five years of a dry spell and then Riverdale, which is kind of how it works, you know? So is there ever getting used to that experience or feeling? Like, I feel like there's so much that's out of control of people's lives. And then, and then you think, okay, my career could be something I could be in control of. Let me tell you that every single time this happens, including, like, I finished Riverdale and pretty much as a series regular, 2000, end of 2019. Every single time, it's like, oh, God, I'm never going to work again. Right. Like every time. And what did you, you would have that thought. And then where would you, where would you go to sort of hold on to something stable? I mean, you sort of like the one saving grace I say is because I've been through it so many times. Yeah. You still have all the thoughts of like, is this going to be the last time I'm ever going to fucking work? Like that just happens. There's no getting around that. Um, at least as a female in this business, but I do know that something always does come along. It does. And as long as I don't give up and throw in the towel and give in to those thoughts and fears, I'll be okay. You know, like you keep trying and you keep going and you keep pushing and eventually something's gotta something's gotta give. And that's just kind of the way the way it is. It's the way I believe, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's definitely been dry spells in my 18 years. Right. We're in New York City, so apologies, listeners, for the siren. <laughs> but I feel like it's that uh, you feel like you're never you're never going to sell that bag again, or you're never going to come up with another hit. And yeah. I feel like it's really nice for people to know that you had four or five years of just hustling your ass. Oh my god! I went, at, I kid you not, ninety auditions a year. Wow! Straight for three and a half, four years. That was including like voiceover small guest star roles, including TV shows and films, and not one friggin' bite. It was like, oh my God. Yeah. Every time. And every time I go, maybe I'm too old. (laughs) Every time, like it's done. What if it's really done? And I just haven't confronted the fact that it's actually done. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like all of those thoughts, you know, like what if I'm just delusional? Yeah. 
and this is really just it. And I just haven't accepted it. (laughs) All of those thoughts. And it's every time, including now. Oh my gosh. Well, I I have no doubt it'll be way less than four or five years between. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of handled things in my life so that won't happen again, but yeah. So what do you think it was about Hermione that viewers fell in love with? And I feel like, you know, just going on your Instagram, the way that your fans love you, like what was it about that character that you think did that? I think, and thanks, um, I really, really, really wanted her to be a good mom. And I worked so hard and continually worked so hard to be a good mom to my teenage daughter. And, you know, just to be like a friend and do essentially how I would want to be treated as a, as a kid and as a teenager. And so when I got Hermione, I loved that she was this character that was sort of starting over. She was flawed. She had made mistakes in her life and was doing the best that she could and was trying to start over and start a new life and, and turn over like a new leaf with her daughter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I kind of poured everything that I was going through a divorce at the time, which no one knew, like no one knew (laughs) I was, I was like me. And at the time my daughter was like nine and we're living in Vancouver, Canada. We've been displaced from LA. We're in Canada for like 10 months out of the year. And I'm going through this divorce behind the scenes for years, for two, three years that no one knew about. And it was kind of paralleling a bit what I was going through of like, okay, kid, we're on our own. Like, here we go. Like, let's do this. And I got you. And I'm sorry that I made mistakes. Right. And that this is happening and I'm going to make the best of it and not put any, put any of my crap on your lines and we're like on, on your shoulders and we're, we're going to make this happen. And so it was sort of like, I kind of poured a lot of that, especially in Hermione, the first season, you know, and Hermione had this like, oh my God, maybe I can start over. And he was my high school sweetheart. And, you know, like, oh my God, maybe I can make a life for myself. And it was very earnest and. I just, I loved her, especially that first season. I just loved, loved, loved her. You brought up your other, your other side gig, which I would say is more than just a side gig. It's an incredibly impactful organization, foundation for a slavery free world. And I would love for you to share what you're doing because it's, even if you just started the organization, it's incredible. But the fact that you go undercover, that you catch sex offenders, that you are working with FBI and CIA agents and Navy SEALs, like you're crazy. And I love it. (laughs) But I'm curious to know what happened that made you want to start this? Like, did something happen in your life that you were like, this is an arena that has to go away? So I will answer that, but I do want to say it's, I don't work with FBI, I work with former, like former FBI, former, former, because I don't want that being like, (laughs) Hey, she's not an FBI agent. Cause I'm not, but to answer your question. Yeah. So like when people don't understand why in the world would I do this? And it's such a dark subject and it's so friggin' is. And so heartbreaking. You know, I grew up with a pretty dark past. You know, my mom 
like I didn't even know I was adopted. I didn't even know I, my dad wasn't my real dad until I was 16 and getting kicked out of high school and found the papers, the official papers. And in the notes of the papers were like, her dad's not a real dad and she doesn't know. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Like it was, you know, I didn't know. And it was, and it's not that, I'm not saying that. My stepdad who raised me, you know, he had his own problems and he drank a lot and he believed, you know, the answer to raising a kid is to take out a belt and that's the answer. You know, you just belt them, that kind of thing. And as a little girl, it fucking hurt. And I was, I was never, it was just dark. And I had a neighbor that lived next to me in my hometown of Naperville and he was older and he would like, Hey, come over let's play baseball. Hey, come in the garage. And he would show me affection and he would do things to me and touch me inappropriately and all these things. And don't tell your parents. And my parents had their own stuff going on. We weren't really close growing up. So I didn't. And I kept it a secret. And he was actually doing this to a lot of the girls in the neighborhood, um, which I found out later, just didn't know at the time. And that happened to me from age five till about age 11, 12, when I moved, we moved to a different home and I moved to a different home, um, in the same town, like border town of Naperville, Lyle. And that summer, it's very funny, but like in junior high and stuff, I was that girl that no one picked for the team. I was that girl that was like, oh my God, who am I going to sit, sit next to at lunch? Like that girl, same. you know, yep. that girl. So introverted, so insecure, so not outgoing in the least, like just very caved in. And that summer I put on makeup for the first time. My mom like taught me, it's like, here, it was Mary Kay, <laughs> you know? And I like, I put on makeup and I was like, oh, okay, is this how you do it? And I went to my new junior high because it was three years of junior high. So I went to my last year of junior high school and the new junior high school. And all of a sudden people were like, oh, have you met the pretty new girl? And I was like, wait, are they talking about me? Like, it was astonishing. And everyone was nice to me. Like, what? Like, girls, even, were nice to me. Like, hey, I'm, you know, Jenny, come sit with us. And I was like, what? I was so used to, like, oh, my God. I was used to that. Yeah. And it's a very long story, but one of the girls from the old junior high was like, hey, let's invite, I want to invite you to this party. She was not a nice girl. Where my older boyfriend and his friends are, and I want to show off how pretty you are now. And da-da-da-da-da. I was still so fucking insecure and so stupid and just so like, okay. And went and I spent the night at her house and drank alcohol for the first time in my life. Um, I was in junior high, man. Spent the entire night puking and <laughs> went to her boyfriend's house the next day in the afternoon where they were drinking whiskey and smoking pot. And I, the last thing I remember, I remember smoking a bong, which I didn't know what it was and I didn't know how to do it. I was so, I mean, I was young and they taught me how to do it. And I was, didn't want to be embarrassed and like cough everywhere. And then the last thing I remember is this guy coming towards me with the whiskey and going here, drink and taking this giant bottle 
in my little hands at the time of Seagram seven and drinking it. And then I don't remember anything else. I remember waking up on the bed naked and these boys around the bed laughing at me and one of them naked and coming towards me and that friend in the corner watching the girl. Oh my God. And trying to get up and then that's it. Like the rest is blank. And then I remember being on the sidewalk and being kicked. It was February. It was freezing in Chicago and being kicked and get up, bitch, get up, bitch. Asking me, where do you want to go? Like, and me pointing to the police station. Cause it was right there in downtown Naperville and pointing there. Cause I knew if I could go there, like somehow in my delirium, I knew if I could go there, I could get home somehow, you know, like, it's right. funny what you, where that cognizance comes from and <laughs> you're complete anyway. And I, then I remember waking up in my bed at home with not knowing how I got there. And my underwear was on crooked and, um, I was in a little bit of pain and completely confused about, about the whole thing. Like, I just was like, wait, what, what's, what's happening? And that changed my life forever, like forever. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to deal with it. And yeah. somehow or another, everybody in this fucking town knew everybody. And instead of going, Hey, maybe the, the passed out 12 year old girl wasn't actually a willing participant in this with all these boys around. Maybe like no one, it was all like, did you hear about that girl who fucked all these guys? And I, I didn't know how to deal with this at all. Yeah. Yeah. And like my teachers knew. I remember a teacher, like I went to school the next, the two days later, cause I took two days off and I went to school two days later and, and, um, and everybody knew like the phone was ringing and it was like, Hey, Marisol, Hey, how's the boy's name? And how's this? And how was your weekend? And da, 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 da. And like, and then the, like, and the girl calling me, Oh my God, Marisol, you wouldn't come home. You wouldn't get, you wouldn't get on the bike. And I didn't want to be late. And I'm like, you left me there. Right. Like it was like, you know, you can't, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And so, and I had a teacher pull me aside, like, Hey Marisol, I heard about what happened. This is a teacher. I heard about what happened to you over the weekend. And I just wanted to tell you to be careful because you can get a bad reputation. Like that was her fucking words of advice. I mean, the goal of like, and it's, I feel like this is a systemic reaction, but like you literally got assaulted and everyone's like, you're a slut. Yeah. Like in my mind, I didn't remember it. So this wasn't fully real to me. I just had like a couple pictures right. of it, like moments, but that was it. And I knew that I, I remember trying to get up. Like I remember trying to get up and I couldn't. And that's all I remember. And a few little bits and pieces. So my answer to it was like, the only people that would talk to me, like my nickname became doggy style. Oh. It was fucking all, hey, doggy style. I didn't even know what that meant. Like right. I was a kid. I didn't understand. I didn't. And back then, by the way, like there was no, no internet. There's no social media. There's no, like kids have access to so much now, which is awful to me, which we'll get into. Yeah. But you know, back then you, you, you didn't. And so it was just like the shock. 
And so my answer to it was like, well, fine. The only ones that will talk to me are the, like the druggies and the burnouts. So I was like, cause I don't know, maybe they were used to being fucking beat up or doing things that were, that were bad and whatever. So I hung out with them and I was like, fine. And I turned from like, from like who I really was as a kid and like this introverted sort of caved in individual into like this persona that was like tough and F you and I'm going to drink and I'm going to do drugs on purpose now. Like if I could do this on purpose, then they wouldn't have anything over me. And so I hung out with like when high school came and all the two junior highs came together, including I had to face some of these older kids that had done this to me. I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I was like, fine, I'm going to talk to, I'm only going to hang out with the toughest. So I, I dated like the toughest kid in school who was older than me and like would like punch lockers and like do these things whose mom was an alcoholic. Like that's the crowd that I ran with because I felt protection there. And I became like this tough, angry person who hopefully people were scared of now who wouldn't dare make fun of me behind my back because my boyfriend and all my friends will kick your ass, like that kind of thing, because they didn't know what else to do. And so, you know, when I blew off school and I blew up lockers, like I literally blew up lockers, a whole row of lockers my freshman year. And like, like it was, I was that girl who didn't show up for class and would smoke in the corners and, you know, sneak alcohol in her scope bottle in her (laughs) locker. I was that girl because I didn't, know how else to be. And I didn't have another solution for a very, you know, for a long freaking time. Yeah. You know? And so anyway, that's a long story to get to answer your question. No, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. I mean, it's not a, it's not an easy thing to share. And the fact that you came out of it and have handled, you know, to a degree, right. Some charge and upset connected with it is, is incredible. And, and then starting this organization because of yeah. it, or as one of the reasons, yeah. you know, is, is almost like taking the bull by the horns in Thank a way. You. Well, yeah. At like, I, I just, at 17 or whatever it was, I was looking around my life and I was, all my friends were older. Some were going to prison at this point. And I was like, like, I literally have friends that I hung out with that are now in prison. And I looked around and I guess I just had the cognizance, like if I don't, and I did every drug known to man that I could get my hands on, except for LSD. I was just too afraid of it. <laughs> I looked around and I was like, if I don't change my life or make a decision here, I'm, I'm going to end up in prison or dead. And yeah. I just knew. And so I just stopped like everything. I stopped everything. And I think it was that decision, I think that led me to the, you know, serendipitous thing of like, why don't I try out for this play? And I'll just be an extra in the background. I've never done it. And I got nothing else to do and I'll just try it. And that was another sort of pivotal moment that changed the course of my life, you know, and, and that's the whole thing. And then, so to get where I am now, um, of what I was talking about with what you asked about my foundation. So in 2012, you know, I'm on TV shows and I've moved to LA and like my life has turned around a bit and all that stuff. And I started hearing about this word, human trafficking. And I was like, what? Are you, what? 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 And I, I befriended a woman who was traveling around the world, essentially educating people about human rights. And she was talking about 
trafficking and sex trafficking. And I'm like, what is sex trafficking? And she was talking about children. And I was like, wait, what? And she started telling me about this. And I was like, what? And I wanted to throw up. I wanted to cry. I wanted to scream. There were kids and teenagers and and women held against their will and enslaved to have men, grown-ass men, use their body over and over again. And I was like, you can't leave. And it was just horrific. And I I just couldn't understand it. And then, so I started researching it. And then when I found out that this was happening in the United States and that most of the kids in the United States that this was happening to, in a big way, by the way, were runaway kids and foster care kids. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, that would have been me Mm -hmm. because I ran away a thousand times and they came from troubled homes and they came from um, bad pasts. And then the traffickers just swooped in and grabbed them. I felt like I had escaped such a dark path that had that been now, I would have ended up in these guys' hands, hands, hands down. And so I had, I couldn't, I just couldn't sleep just to be honest. Like I literally could not sleep knowing that this was happening. And so I was like, I have to, I have to, I just felt like if I could learn enough about it, I could do something about it in some way so that I could, could sleep at night. And then I was like, if I just found out about this, no one else knows about this, especially in 2012 and 2013. And so I just started learning as much as I could. And I met, you know, different nonprofits and different organizations. And I mean, I met with like, you know, all the way up to the White House and the executive branch of the White House. And, you know, I met with Homeland Security. I met with the Department of Justice. I met with the State Department. I met with congressmen. I met with senators. I met with all of these different entities that were all trying to combat this thing that all knew about human trafficking, all knew about child sex trafficking, and were doing the best they could to legislate their way out of it, to to rehabilitate those kids that have escaped from it, to educate people, to... And I was like, okay, then I need to do... I need to tell people because I just felt like if people knew about it, there would be riots and protests in the street and this just would not be allowed to occur. And the only reason it's allowed to occur is because not enough people know about it. And that was my thinking. And so I I put together a big Hollywood event because I was like, okay, well, if I can get the celebrities to learn about it, then they can talk about it and we can spread the word and we can do something about this. And so I did. And I... I invited some of the the nonprofits that I worked with and different guys that I'd worked with to come and speak at this big red carpet event and a bunch of celebrities, a bunch of press, so that I could start this. And and I did. And it was really great. And then along the way, I met Tim Ballard, like literally in 2000, I think it was 14. He had just left the government, just left Homeland. And he had formed his own nonprofit called Operation Underground Railroad, which was like, you know, five people at the time. And and I met him and I was like, I have been looking for you because I have been looking for who the hell goes out and gets the kids. Like, it's great to raise awareness and that's all fine and dandy, but I don't care who's getting the kids. I couldn't fathom a kid going one more day having to endure what they were enduring. Yeah, no, it's it's as a mother of four, it's the most frightening thing. Even, even reading in the news, I think it was two days ago, a woman stopped to help a toddler on the side of the road and was abducted. And you're just like, 
using a toddler. Like you get that these men have a toddler, put the toddler out on the highway purposely to see if a woman stops because they know that they will. Like these guys, it is, they won't stop at anything. And it's, it's horrific. The fact that she escaped alive, I'm shocked. I am shocked that this woman was found and is alive. Shocked. She must have escaped because it's like that. And now it's everywhere, but it wasn't then. And so long story short, Tim, you know, started inviting me along and if I flew to Utah and we went to Haiti together and we started going out together and, you know, he was like, can you go undercover? Would you like to do this? Cause I was an actor and I was like, uh, and it was just because we were presented like this, we were in a situation flying back from Haiti where they needed like a female, like now. Yeah. And I was there and I was like, okay, what do I do? And it was just like, I mean, I, it was almost like an improv class. Like, okay, so so we just came back from this country. You're the girl that's been traveling with us that does X, Y, and Z. And we're trying to get this guy to tell us X, Y, and Z and P, okay? And we're going to get there in about 10 minutes. Here's a hidden camera. Here's a baseball cap. Here's a this, here's a that, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's go. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and it was almost like an improv thing where, you know, you're just given a character and da, 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 and you go. And thank God that that I could do it. And because I think I had studied the issue so much and because I'm an actor, I was familiar with the world and obviously from my past, somewhat familiar with that part of it. And I could say the right things and push the right buttons. And it just kind of grew from there. And it's not like, you know, there were were times I even left Riverdale twice. I left Riverdale, the set of Riverdale, to go to fly to another state or a foreign country to go undercover. Cause I would get these calls from Tim. Hey, are you available? Can you go to this country? And I'd be like, I can't, I'm shooting. And then, Hey, are you available? But actually I'm available. I can, I have 10 days off. Let's go. And I could go. But that's yeah. what I was sort of doing because I just couldn't fathom leaving a kid in a situation or even a grown, even a woman, even a 19 year old girl, 20 year old girl, 23, if they're there against their will and being forced into this and hurt and brutalized. And if I could do something about it, how in the hell do I say no? I'm a mom to a girl. How do I say no? And so that's still sort of the situation is if I can help, then what am I going to do? You know? So for, for people who are listening, who, you know, again, this isn't an easy subject to confront. I feel like people are like, Oh, dogs (laughs) and climate change. I know. I'm yeah. sorry. Plants and cows. Uh, let's save yep. the cows. Um, and then you get into this and it's like, you're like, whoa, you know, can't confront the fact that a man would ever want to do anything like this to a child or a woman. But if someone is like, okay, I've listened to this interview. How do I get involved? What do I do? Like, where can we point people so that they can get involved? Maybe they can't go undercover, but they can donate time, resources. So tell me all the things, because this is such an important subject. And I think, I feel like with, you know, the sound of freedom coming out, you know, the, the bandaid has been ripped off of this subject and people have to confront it. Well, I mean, I hate to, to say the age old thing, but it does like, if you can donate, it helps a lot to those organizations, including mine that are doing something about it. If you yourself cannot, right. 
So yeah. for my own foundation, it's, it's slaveryfreeworld.org. It's not hard to find. Just even Google Marisol Nichols trafficking and it'll come up, right? Yeah. And there's different, I'm not just, you know, tooting my own organization, but we're trying to fill these holes. Everyone is sort of scrambling, right? Even including law enforcement and including legislation. They're just catching up with the issue because it's growing. It grows so exponentially. And these guys are so freaking clever. And even the laws are catching up with it because everyone's, they're still learning about it. Like these criminals are smart and freaking resourceful. Yeah. And so my biggest thing has been like, look, it's, it's all great to go out. Do not get me wrong. It is an honor to be able to work alongside governments and law enforcement to do my part and put the bad guys in jail and get women and children out of this. But at the end of the day, we need to be proactive and we need to be preventative. And so my biggest thing that like I have, I have a podcast, it's called the Marisol Nichols podcast. And I have all the guys that I go undercover with on there. And I have different law enforcement, different NGOs, different government officials, all covering different aspects of this issue because we need parents and children to be educated enough so that they do not fall into the hands of these horrifically evil people. And so the first thing that I would ask is please go to slaveryfreeworld.org. There's a donate button. Lord knows we need donations because um, we're spending our own money and, and we're getting different grants and working our butt off to make these podcasts and reach people, but also educational materials. We're, we're changing the whole structure out of like, look, here's 15 things that you can do as a parent to protect your child online because online is a whole different world and the predators are all there. Here's yep. 15 different ways that your child is being groomed online so that you know what to look for or that you can look for, right? Yeah. It's getting the word out preventatively so that this doesn't happen because as much as it's great to take down these things, another one pops up the next day. It's like playing whack-a-mole. So to get out in front yeah. of it, it needs to be preventative, right? So we're building educational materials for schools and teachers so that they can download them and do presentations themselves to their student bodies. The good news is that with R Riverdale, I have such a built-in audience with teenagers and, you know, who, who started watching it maybe when they were younger and now it's seven years later. And so now they're, some of these are becoming young parents now. And so I, I've sort of been trying to capitalize on that audience and reaching them and getting the word out and giving people proactively, this is what you look for. This is what you do. Yep. Um, yep. And so we're also holding another, another big event that we want, especially now because there's a giant strike, which is fantastic. I don't know when this is going to air, but everyone's sort of home. And so it's like the time to be like, great. So Sound of Freedom, everyone saw it's hit the roof. I'm so excited. You know, it's, it's been in the works, by the way, for eight friggin' years. Like I read this, the original script and it's been through, I don't know, I've seen it six different times in different iterations. The fact that it came out now and has hit like unprecedented audience numbers is so amazing to me because it's reaching now Americans and waking everybody up and they're like, oh my God, this is happening? I had no idea. And so it's really, wow. it's fantastic. But people need to know what to look for, what not to do, what to do, how they can prevent this from ever happening to someone that they love. Yeah. 
Well, the work you do is incredible and game-changing and saving so many lives and helping so many people. So I hope everyone listening, go to that donate button, give her some money. Or just educate yourself. Or educate yourself. Have everything yeah. on there. I'm not just saying like, give me money. But- no, no, no. I, I think we should tell people, if you can't go undercover, give some cash. Um, but there, we have educational materials on there as well. So you can learn more about the issue and find out what you can do and how you can protect yourself. Awesome. So two last questions for you before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's questions I ask every one of my guests. Um, what is one thing we'd be surprised to know about you? Is the first question. Yeah, I'm a sci-fi geek. Okay. I read a bunch of sci-fi. I, I read every night. I'm like a geek at heart. I literally read a book every single night. Um, I've read so many books. And I'm, a, I'm that girl. I'm a reader girl. I love to read. And um, I'm a sci-fi fan. <laughs> okay. Favorite sci-fi book then? Oh, uh, Ender's Game. Or some okay. Scott Card, like the, the OG. <laughs> nice. nice. Okay, good. I, I have a fantasy. I used to be a reader girl, and I will be when I'm done raising my um, my own friends that I've yeah. grown. And then last, last question is, what is one piece of advice that you either learned the hard way and worked or someone gave to you and you tried it out and it was helpful? You know, there's this thing of advice, like there's no... It's never too late to start over. I love it's that. never too late to make a change. And there are people out there that maybe went through something similar as I did or, or something else that happened to you that maybe makes you feel like you're, you can't, you're not worthy or you're not special or you're not strong as hell. And if there's one thing I have learned and also been told, it's never too late to make a change and start over and take control of your life and make a difference in your own life or the lives of others. There's nothing. So I would say that. I would say that. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for what you do daily. And um, it was so great to have this long to talk to you. I feel like even though I see you a lot, I'm like, no, we haven't talked this long in a while. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you. You're amazing. I love you. Thanks, Rebecca. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.